This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature, let them not do the slightest things that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all being be at ease, whatever being living there may be whether they are weak or strong, or meeting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any states. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading outwards to the skies, and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the subliner binding, not holding to fixed views. The pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being free from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Sad, sad, 
Sadhu. Well, venerable, it's your time. Oh, it's my time. So, what do you want to discuss? Firstly, like meditation first. And firstly, then, yep. do you have a topic for us you'd like to talk about? Mm, because when we chant the Metta Sutta, I just thought of, it's not born again to this world. You know, it's like even though, because last week, I just went for a house dana, and it's at, beside the beach, at Perth, basically. It's a really rich people house. But it's interesting when I sit inside there and when I reflect on the people. Yes, they have physical comfort, but you can see that they're mentally, they're smiling, but you can't feel the genuine of it. Not like some not so rich people, but when they smile, they have this really genuine, you can feel the warmness of it. And then, yeah, maybe they don't have so much uh, physical comfort, but it's interesting. They gain another uh, emotion happiness. But rich people, they gain physical comfort, but not so much in emotion happiness. So when I reflect on that, if you birth, if you're born, basically you, you can't win <laughs> each other side. If you go to, you're not winning basically. So it's the best is not to be born again. <laughs> so, it's like how not to be born again is basically just this eightfold path, you can say. That's what we are doing, the heart of it, actually. So in this eightfold path, is that we are doing meditation. It's actually, it's not like first step, you need to do the right view, then second step, right mind, uh, right thought or right intentions. But you can see that all eight of these stuff they are helping each other. That's why it's called like a wheel. I think a lot of uh, in the building of temples or anything, they like to have the wheel and then have this eight spoke on it. And basically the eight spoke, it means like the eight four path. And then the wheel is like, you can see interconnect. Everything is empower each other. You have the right view, that's like non-self, or this is just, I like it better instead of saying non-self, it's like everything is cause and effect. Instead of saying nothing is there, actually something is there. The cause and effect is there. And the cause and effect is just like, um, give you an example. People really like to separate between samatha and vipassana, basically like reflection, or understanding and stillness. But basically both of them go hand in hand. If you understand stuff, if it's really right understanding, it leads to more stillness. If you have more stillness, you see things much more clearly, you understand things much more clearly. So it's just, they are coming, just help each other. You can't separate them. So when you're doing meditation, yeah, more still you have, you found more of the suffering you will let go of. But more of the suffering you let go of, you feel that you're more still. It just helps each other. You can't separate them. So it's just having fun. 
I always found it's always Genkin when you do meditation. <laughs> and after that, then I talked to my mom because uh, my mom last time when I go uh, bring her to birthday when I'm a lay person, I still remember I bring her to this really nice hotel having a lunch, both of us. Not lunch, sorry, it's dinner. And then this person just giving like a, because it's my mom's birthday, they have a grand piano singing a birthday song to my mom and also like ask, oh, how is your meal? And then it's really interesting. After finish everything on the car, I talked to my mom. I said, it's really interesting. For poor people, they'll get this kind of service from their family. When you eat, people will ask, chit-chat around. And then I can feel this warm-hearted. But for rich people, they need to pay for the service. <laughs> Something is really wrong. <laughs> but it's really interesting to see that. When you see that, it's like, uh, what is really happiness in the world? What you want is like, always I feel there must be some balance. You can't overwork. Also, you can't not doing work also. And then that's why I feel that it's like, if you work, you need to meditate also. Because if you meditate, then you work better. It's just helping each other. When you see that's the benefit of the meditation, then you don't need to be, how to say, to be pushed. You will just do it because you feel happy about it. You feel that's beneficial. So always I say to the, some of the practitioners, like, once you see benefit, you definitely do it. It's just like brushing teeth. Brushing teeth, keep your teeth healthy so you can eat good food. So it's simple. If your mind is clear, then when you read stuff, you look at the stuff, it will be different. It will be more beneficial to you. And also it's like, I always found out, never let your understanding of the Buddhism or understanding of anything get in the way of uh, the feeling you have from it. Because sometimes we are blocked by the knowledge. Because the knowledge say that it is like this, then sometimes we try to figure it out or try to feed it to whichever we learned. And then that's how delusion play around with you, you can say. But when you have much more like stillness or peaceful, then when you see stuff, it's not so challenging for yourself. And then you can accept it more. And then that's much more closer to the truth. And that's how meditation helps. So, have anything you all want to question on before we start to do a guided meditation? Because actually today I'm really tired. I just came back from uh, the Legoland of monks, Bunnings, because I need to purchase stuff to build some stuff for the monastery. And also <laughs> maintenance, a lot of uh, maintenance tools need to be done. So actually, I just been back on five o'clock and I just quickly have a shower, sit down for a while, meditation, and then I'm here now. <laughs>
So any questions before we start to do a meditation? Yes, I was, I was wondering, Venerable, um, could you tell us a little bit about why you became a monk? Oh, yeah. It's really hard to pinpoint, actually, why I become a monk. I can tell you the whole process. Not say whole process, but just the things that happen on my life. And then that leads to here, you can say. But how, where is the point I decide? So really like, really hard to say. But just to tell you, since I'm small, I'm really, really interested in religion, actually. And, but my mom forced me to a lot of different school. Even forced, not say forced me, but bring me to Christian school also. And then I also go to Maha, because in Malaysia, Mahayana is much more widespread, you can say, especially in Penang, Chinese culture. And I go to Sunday school. And at Sunday school, and the first thing they teach is interesting. I still remember the class when I'm five or six years old, I think, very small. No, not even I'm kindergarten, I think four, yeah, five years old maybe. And they say that to be born is suffer. And then I just heard that that's interesting. Why all these grown-ups are so selfish? Why they give birth to me? If they just stop all the birthing process for the whole generation, there's no next life and then voila, I don't need to be here and hear all this lecture. <laughs> and that's, that's how rebellious am I. And then after that, when I go to Christian school, I still remember, it's like, they talk about like, God create everything. If that statement is correct, then who create God? I always ask. But they, they can't give me answer, but we don't, don't go that way anyway. And then after that, because in Malaysia, when I study history, when I'm 15 years old, somewhere around there, yeah, 15 years old, yeah, from three. So they teach actually a little bit Islamic, in the history of uh, Malaysia, how Islamic come over, and then it get very boring, I start to fantasize. Why do we have religion? Just think about it. If I'm the king, because olden days is king ruling system. If I'm the king, I lay down this rule, and you all might as well follow. If you're not happy, you're revolve. You just come and rebel this king, and you become the king. So which means the king is on the track when they lay down rules. So imagine that if I call an imaginary being and I say that this imaginary being lay down this rule and I'm following it, you all might as well. And then we call this imaginary being the God. And then voila, you have perfect ruling system because you can't kill an imaginary being basically. So that's why I always feel that religion is basically how to control people when I'm small. <laughs> and then on the fourth, I think on the yeah, fifth, 16, my mom sent me to have a temple ordination in Malaysia on a Burmese temple. And I still remember because I'm really curious now about all this religion. And Buddhists say that, oh, we have karma. And karma is not undestroyable. Good karma and bad karma are undestroyable. But it's interesting they introduce there's a way out which is called Nibbana. 
And then I said, well, this is interesting because I'm trained as a scientist. You know the law of energy. Energy can be converted, but it can't be destroyed. So I said that I questioned this head monk, which is, I can't remember. It's from Burma. Can't remember his name, this Ajahn. And I said that, how do you get Nibbana to Nibbana if there's good karma and bad karma? You can't destroy both of them. How do you get there? And then we have a conclusion on it. We say do neutral karma to get there. I said, that's ridiculous. You can't know when you have the intention of doing stuff. What is neutral, it doesn't make sense. And then after that, also I give up Buddhism actually. Then the next, yeah, the next year, I went because my mom wanted to go for a retreat in the 90s. Uh, my mom asked me, you want to go for a retreat or not? If not, here's some pocket money. You can have lunch outside at the hawker store. And for me, I'm so allergic, shouldn't say allergic, but afraid of food enhancer because it just gives me a headache. I can't handle food enhancer that much. So that's why I say, oh, might as well just go for the retreat nine days. <laughs> that's how I joined the first retreat. I go for nine days retreat because of food. <laughs> it's like they live up to Asian, especially Chinese culture. The, the mouth is bigger than the eye, you can say. <laughs> I love my food. And then that's how I end up on the retreat. And then on this retreat, because at night, it's similar like uh, Nola Mara. At nighttime, you write question and have lay people sit at the back. And the front is the yogis, uh, the practitioner, the retreatants. And someone asked about Nibbana. I said, oh, that's interesting. And then this teacher gave, um, I think you hear it before y'all, the five kids playing the wishing game. Whoever wished the best gets the wishes. And then the first kid wished for, I want a lolly. I said, okay, that's good. And the second kid have more time to think, I want a lolly factory. Oh, that's better. And the third kid think that, mm, how to outbid the second kid lolly factory? I'll have a billion dollar USD. Now I talk halfway. I think that last week, last time when I speak the travel, I think I speak this story, same thing. Hopefully we have new participants. So the third kid said million dollars, so it's better. And the fourth kid, how to beat the third kid? So if you say you want two million dollars, two billion dollars doesn't make much. So the fourth kid said that I want two wishes. The first wish, the billion dollar wish. The second wish, I wish for two more wishes. And then the teacher stopped there. I say the fifth kid win the game. What do the fifth kid wish for? On that talk, actually, I, my head just go blank. How do you wish something is better than the unlimited wish? How do you outbid that? That's really like, hmm. And then the teacher gives the answer. The fifth kid's wish for, I'm so contented, I don't have any more wishes. And then the fifth kid is the Buddha. The fourth kid is mostly all, all of us chasing after staff, you can say. So it's like, wow, it's like you can have a feeling of what is Nibbana. Just basically really contented.
And then when you add in this non-self, then it's a cat bang. You say, oh, now you understand how you get out from this system of samsara, I can say. And then that's how I get really interested into Buddhism. And then I start to practice meditation, but just at the year and nine days meditation. Basically, Ajahn Brahm. That's how I firstly met my teacher. Uh, then that's why I always really follow up on that every year and until when I start to work. When I start to work, and then there's all this like, I work at Intel as a programmer, very stressful. After one year, I have a panic attack, which I don't know what is panic attack that time. I wake up in the middle of night, heartbeat really fast. I just like feeling fainted. And then actually my family sent me to the hospital. And then I came on vomiting actually at the hospital. And then after that, I just, all this teaching, these two will pass, all this stuff just came back to me and helped me on that stages. I'm really happy actually that panic attack happens. I think that's almost like the turning point of my, the, my eightfold path, you can say, when I follow this teaching. And then this teaching just really helps me. And then I find out, like I start to meditate once in a while, not really constantly every day, but once in a while. But I still go for the nine day retreat at the year end at Malaysia with Ajahn Brahm. And then on, after five years, yeah, after five years work at Intel, I found it's like, there's not much meaning because if you set a goal, it's like material goal, any goal, you see that it's just a matter of time you reach there. And then it's like, then what? Then you set another goal as usual. And then after a while, you reach there also. And then I just feel that it's like, what's the meaning of this then? I feel like I lost my goal. And then I talked to a few colleagues, talked to a few friends. I said, wow, so young and you already have midlife crisis. <laughs> and then I said, I talked to my parents. And then I said, oh, keep on working a few day, years, you'll find your goal. I said, I keep on working for one more year. I said, nah, I can't find my goal. I said, I better stop for three months. And then that's how I come over here to do my first winds retreat as a layperson in Bodhiana. Because after that, I found out there's a winds retreat, which you can join, you can stay in Jana Grove. And that's the first day of the winds retreat. You call up the Bodhiana and register for that, if anyone interested. It's a really nice, actually, I will encourage each one of you, if you have time, have the financial, Please try it out, really. It really changed my life because the first time I come here, two weeks, I say after really striving for meditation because you have some goals there. After two weeks, I said, nah, too stressful. Why should I do that? It's my vacation. I got the leave from the working place. And why should I stress out myself? Because it's a three months vacation. So actually I'm really like meditate still, but not that much but serve a lot and helping a lot in the monastery, even though it's like a range retreat. And I thought that I really blow it up. Basically they call it, it's like nothing is achieved. But when I went back, it's really interesting happened to me.
because I went back, I still remember the first meeting, last time when I do that, because I have a meeting through different places, I need to meet with all these, I call it client, but it's still within Intel. I need to talk to Israel engineers, I need to talk to America engineer also, and I need to talk to India, um, India side also. And every time I need to prepare so much documentation and also presentation slides just to, I call it cover my backside, so no one poke me. <laughs> but this time when I went back, I don't need to do that much. And then when I'm in the conference, I'm really confident. And then it's like, it's a shock for me. And then I went back and said, I thought that these three months I learned nothing. But it's really interesting, that one is, I think that once the confidence is actually the peacefulness you have, because of that, you don't worry so much about, or the fear so much about how other people look at you. You have much more peace and accept yourself. And then that's where the confidence came from. And I said, wow, this is really interesting, meditation and service. And then that's really like mind-blowing for me. So that's why I put now my name as a Anagarekalis, but I'm not really confirmed yet that time. But after two years, I came back again for three months again. And then that time, I feel like way more peaceful because I don't have this expectation on meditation. I say, oh, last time, three months, I already blow up. So this time, just enjoy the trip. I say, just sit down and see how it goes. And actually, I really feel really, really happy I did that. I have a really peaceful three months, meditate a lot, just come over Bodhiana, take my lunch, very nice. And then I go back and say, yes, this is the life. And also I found out, because I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have any commitment, and my family, my parents, my mom and dad have their own retirement fund, I'm really happy about that. And which means I don't need to worry, I say that if I don't try out this life, which life I can try it out. And actually, there's another key point also. Because at um, Rain's Retreat time, Ajahn Brahm will talk about some suttas, and especially the word of Buddha. I think it's online. In BSWA, you can search them. It's uh, word of the Buddha. I encourage it. If anyone have time, go through the courses. It's really helpful, that one. Because I still remember he asked me, not say ask me, but ask the crowd. He said that, if you want to prolong Buddhism, what should you do? On my mind, because as an engineer, as a computer engineer, I thought, yeah, print the books, put all the archive on the cloud, uh, so that then make, make a NAS, so that you make sure that all the copies will be remain. So that's how you prolong Buddhism. But he said, nah, that's not how you prolong Buddhism. It's practicing it. That's how you prolong the Buddhism. Because if you have something to read, and you read all about all these enlightened people, you say, nah, this is just fantasy. But if you see there's a life example there, and then there's someone which you inspire, that really inspire you to follow the path. That's how you prolong the Buddhism. That makes perfect sense to me. So that's why that gives another a little bit push to me to try out this path. And then I always say that I always leave a lot of back doors, you can say. 
because I know myself, I like my freedom. So if I say that I've been for this for my life, nah, it will not work for me. If you need to be happy on this path. Also, it's like I do believe that all of the participants here must experience some happiness during the meditation. So that's why I keep you all going. Even though it's like summertime, you all say that, nah, it's not that great, but it just helps you. It frees you up a little bit from the busyness of life. And you see that beneficial of it. That's why I think all of you are remaining uh, each week, tune into the channel or any channel just to do some meditation because it's just helpful. And that's why keep me going until today, you can say. Because no matter how, not shouldn't say busy, but just it's like a lot of things to do in the monastery also. But just you see that it's like not things that you do. It's actually like people are busy because they have too much stuff they want to do on the same time. But if you can split it, you just do one thing at a time. Then other thing, don't worry too much about it. I found out, I always found out, people will help you or the nature will help you. Just like what happened in this monastery, I feel it's like a little bit, can say, miracle. Just last week, we are talking about there's not enough water supply here. Because uh, we collect rainwater, we have three big tanks to have the water. And we found out, we calculated that we are running low and April is the last month we will have water. And then we keep on trying to really reduce using water, all this stuff. But this previous Friday, people, one of the truck just drove in, a water tank truck. He said that, can we leave our car here because we need to do some road construction and we'll give you some free water. That's how amazing, just free water coming into the monastery. I said, oh yeah, don't need to worry that much. Things will align some of the stuff and you do whatever you can first. So it's like, I really like one saying when I'm working, it's like, if you don't have a solution to a problem, it's not a problem. The, solu the problem is only defined when there's a solution. So if there's no solution, no problem. Don't do it first. Do other stuff first, then you'll be way more efficient compared to other people. Okay, this is trade secret basically. <laughs> well, Venerable, are yep. you ready for that presentation? Oh, yes. Comments in the chat uh, saying how, how interesting your talk has been, so thank you, Venerable. Oh, phew. I made it, luckily. <laughs> I always felt quite stressful when I said, oh yeah, don't know what to talk about. But this one I've been, you can say, why I become a monk. Uh, a lot of people ask when you're Anagarika. I've been rehearsing this version. Is I think this is almost a, maybe the end version. I don't know how many version I have. This is the final version. I think it's keep on changing every while. I, yeah. I think the versions you'll find will be endless. Yeah, endless. <laughs> so today, um, what meditation you all want to have? Um, a nice meditation. A nice one, okay. <laughs> Expectation usually spoil it. 
Yeah, but just chill, I think, better. Just whichever. Let's see how it goes, I think. So, shall we start? Okay, let's sit comfortably, everyone. And if you want to leave your lights on, please do. You don't need to off your lights in your room. And you need to make sure that you're comfortable in your room. So if you need to lock your door, please do. And just sit comfortably. You need to sit on the chair, it's fine. You need to sit on the floor, it's fine also. Lying down is also fine. But make sure if you lie down, don't lie down on the side that you're sleeping. Lie down on another side. So sit comfortably and make sure you're relaxed. And if you want to have your eyes closed, it's fine also. If you want to leave it open, also fine. So I would like to invite you all to have a maybe do a little bit exercise. We take a three big breath in and out basically. So first relax this feels really nice so we start to send some kindness to the furthest part of your body to your toe If you can't feel your toe, you may wiggle it a little bit. Oh yeah, there it is. Send some kindness towards it. Appreciate 
because you have your toe can walk balancedly. Thanks for the hard work today. Toe. How can I make you more comfortable? Feel your sole of your feet. If you feel that it's a little bit cold on the knees, you can put a cloth on just to warm it up. Slowly further up to your pelvis. Feel the equivalent pressure which you have touching the cushion. system thanks throughout the years you've been doing such a great job to provide energy this body. So we can sit here and enjoy this peacefulness. 
Slide the sea wave washing in now can feel your hands and shoulders. Just like you're on the beach, relax, lying on this soft beach, seeing this beautiful sunset just shine upon your head the gentleness of the light just fall on your face and relax How can I serve you better? How can I be assist to make you feel at ease? And not burden with anything. around you 
to soak into your body. Feel this nature around. This positive energy around. Just soak into your mind and body. rising and falling on the wind around your chest area. This is good enough. Feeling the wave coming in, going out. Feel your body relax. This
this wave and feel that there's no much you need to do. Just flow with it. flowing with this peacefulness these gentle waves
gentle waves as I'm tingling sensation you further relax into it relax and enjoy this peaceful waves On these peaceful waves, you saw that there's this small little memo, the clownfish, 
been is hurting. It can't swim well. You try to help him. You saw a string on the fin. That's why I can't swim well. Try gently and twinkle string put it back into the water you can see it swim happily you wish this clownfish feel as peaceful as you now. Wish this being happiness and kindness. You feel this kindness grows spread to the other fish in the ocean. See some seahorses. Wish them happiness and peace. And see this glowing. Reaching the sandy beach and around the trees behind spreading further. His kindness to the land, to the people around you.
they are. How to share this kindness. This golden ball of light. Wishing them in gladness and in safety. And you feel this energy, this peaceful energy, echo among each being. There's one more person Actually two more persons That you left out Which is your parents No matter where they are Spread this loving and kindness safety and peaceful and you can feel that your parents wish you have the same Wish you enjoy the same thing. This golden ball of light soaks back to you from your parents. No matter how you are, you're not good enough. still be the small little kid just relax this woman and you can feel your door of your heart 
hands up and exhale. Accept your acceptance. And also forgiveness. You have done your best. feeling you experience now. We'll ring the gong three times. At the end of the third gong, fellow servers, you're welcome back to the shore. Welcome back, fellow servers, surfers. Actually, I have some tears, even though I'm leading the meditation. Feels good. Never expected that. Yes, we do have one. 
I could read it for you? Sure. Just a moment. Very interesting story, Arjan. How is your relationship with that panic attack? How are your relationships with panic attacks now? Uh, and have you analyzed why it happened to you? And how do you think Buddhism helps you in this area? I see. So I analyzed my panic attack. Actually, I know why. Drinking too much coffee. <laughs> That's the first reason. And it tops up with the stress of the job because I try to solve it, which is, I don't know what's the problem. And when you don't know what's the problem, you try solving it, it's just, and nowhere, because you don't know where to start also. So it's always really important to identify the problem first. It's just like, if you have, want to have potato chips, you need to have potato first. And then only next one, you need to have a knife to cut the potato. And after that, you need to have the oil. And then after that, you need to have a gas stove. Then only you can cook the chips in the pan to get your chips. So, there's always a series of stuff, but you need to identify the starting point first. Where's the problem? And usually we hop into solving it without understanding the origin of it, you can say. That's usually where we stress out. And then I would recommend if you have a panic attack, don't do meditation, sorry to say, because that needs a lot of skills. Try to do something repeatable. It's like maybe doing kneading, that helps. Actually, I tried kneading before, and it really helps because you're focusing on one thing. You can try walking meditation because there's some movement. Or just even better, you don't walk on the room. Do the walking meditation on the nature park or the park around you that you can have some scenery not so dull and another thing which helps me is actually uh, exercising you need to have exercise I, that's how it helped me out from that depression not say depression but panic attack because when you put the problem too close to you, there's usually problems getting bigger because you're getting, you take it too close. So leave it aside, do some other activities. That helps actually. That's how my really helps my panic attack. And reduce the caffeine intake. No caffeine. If you have panic attack symptom, don't take caffeine. And it's actually give you a lot of warning before it starts the panic attack. You feel that you're moving faster, you're running around, and then your heart beat faster before that happens actually. 
And if you have you if you catch that symptom in upfront, then you can stop it faster. It's basically it's like um, when the train is leaving the station, it leaves slowly. When it pick up speed, that's where it's really hard to stop. So if you can identify your symptom ahead, then it's way more easy to solve it. And then you might can solve it with meditation. But that helps actually. I would really recommend to set up like a place that where you meditate. It just look really cool in your room. Whereas last time before, once I opened my room, when I enter, there's in front of me, there's a meditation cushion. And it just looks like a little bit sad. It just calms you down, even though you don't use it. Then only you turn, when I turn my right hand side, only that's the bed and the desk for doing work. And then that just reminds me, just chill. And then when you want to walk out from your room, you need to pass that. And then that just helps me to do meditation each morning on my lay life because I need to walk past it. And then I just time myself, no matter how bad it is, 20 minutes before I get out to get my breakfast and go to work. That helps. And then you can say that that meditation is basically not really meditation. A lot of time it's just planning what to do next. <laughs> but it helps. I found it's like it just can see the momentum at the end of the meditation. The momentum just slow down. It's not that uh, fierce, you can say. And then when the momentum slow down, actually you capture more of the details. Where is the problem is? Because I'm a programmer last time, so that's why it's like solving problem. And also you need to think quite negatively how people can uh, mess up your program. How people can mess up what you're doing basically. And then the simplest way is actually you do your program or do anything in your life as stupid as possible. That's what my mom gave me advice actually last time. If you want to have a very easy solution, ask the lazy person. They will give you the best solution in the world. It's so easy to achieve that. So don't think things too complicated. Because that actually usually it get problematic and then you get too stressful. So if you have that trend of thinking, just slow down. Do other stuff. Don't, do, don't try to solve it. That's how I get my panic attacks. You keep on wanting to solve it, but just you're going nowhere. Just chill down, sit back. And then just remember, these two will pass. If you have problem, too much panic attack, at the end you can still accept in Bodhiana, get a bow head. And here is always welcome. <laughs> so, not too much to stress out about life. It's always the door of the monk's hood is open to everyone, or the nun's hood is open to everyone. That's how it helps me actually. So, just slow down the stepping and do some exercise. And repeatable stuff helps actually, like kneading. Or oh, last time I have um, building robots, you know, the gunpla. Just 
chipping away and sanding the plastic and then put pieces by pieces. Just do something really, can say it's like non-productive or stupid. Just follow the diagram, you don't need to think. That helps you out from the loop of uh, the thinking of the stressful stuff. Yep. That's my answer. Any questions? Um, yes. I do have uh, two venerable. Yes. You don't mind? Yeah, don't mind. Thank you for the meditation. Um, uh, yeah, speaking of Gumbler, I have myself a Gumbler. So wow! It's the 78 RX. I recognize it. Yeah, that's, mm. that's my stress relieving. That's not my question, but uh, my first question is. Uh, so I can totally relate to how you were talking about uh, uh, being a programmer and then stressful uh, job and yeah. uh, you try like, um, like you know, at one point you're very stressful and then you started meditating and then after that a, a few months of practice and everything like you don't feel as much as like those, those stressful moments uh, when you have to present and everything. So I kind of relate to that because I started picking up meditation and then like you're now I'm to a point that you do presentations or you talk to the boss or things like that, but like I feel like yeah, now whatever stage, like you know, it's not it, it's not in a bad way, not in a bad way, but it doesn't really affect um, um, me anymore. I think, um, but no, not 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 to a very much of an extent. But my worry, kind of worry, is like does it in like you know, hinder my um, kind of like a promotion of progress, right? So where do you, how do you draw a line? Because it's like if you don't have that type of like a healthy stress pushing you, yeah, and then you wouldn't get like you know, I, I, I kind of take uh, good care of the quality of my work as well. So it's like if you don't pick yep. up the phone over the weekend or like you know, if you're not available anymore, you kind of like seems like you're not taking work seriously anymore. So that's so how did you how did you uh, manage it in uh, a course like that according to your uh, own experience? And so that's the first question. And the other one is a bit weird. Um, sometimes when I meditate, I feel like some like my head or arms or some body parts feel very very heavy, like for mm. for just for for a brief period. So I'm not sure that it's a normal thing or I'm I'm not going crazy or anything. So yeah, those, those are my two questions. Thank you. Yeah, so as answer your first question first. It's like, will it hinder your promotion? Absolutely not. I can't promise that actually. Because it's like, more you're more relaxed actually, more you think out of the box to solve something. Because it's like, at the end of my career, you can say, my programming is actually, uh, because I coordinate with people, I set up a system actually, my programming is program people so that people can do programming. So I don't need to manage the stuff instead of letting people managing it. At the end, it's like, um, it's quite cool. You can say I set up test cases and people can write program and just run the test. It's passed. It go to the bigger loop and test more stuff. And then it will release by itself every two weeks or three, every two weeks actually, they will release a new version. I just need to check at the end. And as if I never have this meditation, I never see a clearer picture how to write more codes, you can say. Instead of I'm doing it, I'm passing down to other people to do it. 
to the users actually to do it because it's like at the end it's so simple when I left actually no one take away my role just they themselves taking the roles <laughs> and if I don't meditate I don't see that full picture you can say it's quite interesting for me and another thing is like uh, once you're much more detached to the problem it's actually you see it's like I describe it as like you're really thinking out of the box you can say and when you're thinking out of the box it's just way more useful instead of like uh, following the same routine but sometimes following the same routine not bad but just it's like when you're out of it it's much more easier to see something where is the pinpoint to clear the stuff and for promotion wise one thing you need to really advise on that don't chase after that it's not worth it <laughs> always I say that more you promote more stressful you are just accept whichever it is and work happily that's more important thing that's more, way more important compared to promotion but it's you do the sake of fun of it I always have found out a little bit balanced fun and stress need to be balanced but just the sake of fun of it then you have much more way to have that creativity also and then don't because sometimes when you're chasing after promotion, you're scared of failure. And then that's where it hinders you from further proceeds on stuff. Because when I firstly come up with this idea of doing let the user to do the programming or solve their problem, it's actually I know a lot of stuff will fail. And then it's like I said, nah, I'm just proceeding. Let's see how it goes. Instead of like thinking all the ways that's not going to work. I just think of the ways how I get it to work. Just maybe you will have a lot of problems because it's a new approach. But just try it out. Because it's like at the end, I always say that praise and blame come hand in hand. It's also very aligned with Buddhism. The Buddha said that, not me. They come hand in hand. Some people might praise you on the same stuff. Some many people will blame you on the same stuff. That just it's okay as long as we ourselves I feel that we ourselves we feel happier we feel we have fun on the process that's important and then for your second question is about the meditation you feel happiness it's just I think Ajahn Brahm says like when you meditate because you're much more not attached to the normal thinking or the normal perception and the perception just come out and play with it just like sometimes you can feel in your meditation you feel you're bigger or you're really small but it's not really you're still the same it's just the perception is playing around and let it play around have fun with it I say enjoy the ride don't worry and then it's it's really safe because in this type of meditation you don't do any one thing if you don't want anything, how can you be crazy? It doesn't make sense. It's just not match with the logic, you know? If you want something, maybe yes, you'll become crazy. But if you don't want anything, you don't have hatred, then I don't see how it can go wrong. <laughs> 
you just flow with the wave, just like what we are doing, just wave in, wave out, instead of like breathing in, breathing out. Sometimes just play with the feeling, you can say. And then once you play with that feeling, it's actually much more easy to enjoy it. Well, it's like breathing in, breathing out. If you do it for me, it's like, I, 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 I can't do it that way. Sometimes just play with my perception, you can say. And just with the wave, wave in, wave out, then you don't control it so much because it's a wave. Yeah. And try different stuff. I always say that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. We have uh, one last question in the chat. May I read it to you, Venerable? Sure, sure. Anxiety. As I get a dreaded feeling in my tummy, which then triggers a whole lot of bodily reactions similar to what you have been explaining this evening, how do I, how can I address this? Oh, so if you have, it started with the parts of the body. So firstly, identify which part first. Identify how it tends up. And then usually for me, it's my stomach. When last time when I have this panic attack before it wants to happen, you can feel that it's much more cramped. And it's really interesting. I don't know how it works for me, but drinking hot milk will help before the panic attack really starts. And it just helps to, maybe you feel the warmness of it on my stomach. And it just helped me to relax it. And Maybe help to use a hot bottle. You know, the hot bottle bag, you can put hot water in. Just put on the place that you feel it's cramped up or it's tense. Just give it some, it's like giving a loving kindness, basically, all this action. And the action uh, speak louder than whichever you feel, because when you want to feel, it's like, oh yeah, I send loving kindness. Sometimes it's actually it's ill will, I call it. I want to send loving kindness so this one go away. <laughs> and it don't work. <laughs> because it's actually it's the ill will. It's not really the loving and kindness. So do some action. Put a hot water bottle or put some massage oil on it. Then it just helps it. And do that. It's easier compared to other things. And the panic attack usually, um, I would really still encourage people to to regular exercise because that helps and walk in the park that really helps because then when you walk in the park you're not so focused on your problem that you have and you're focusing on your feet and walking around the nature the nature helps because just like what Ajahn Brahm gives this story there's not a perfect tree in the whole world the tree are bent and crooked and that's what makes them lovely, especially the bonsai. You see bonsai is that even though people try to cut this leaf and that leaf and bend it, usually it's the bending is one. It looks beautiful. And all of us, we have crooked personality. Bend here and there. That's why we are lovely. So don't need to be perfect. Because one thing usually for me also, the panic attack is actually, I want to be perfect. I want to be the super programmer, can solve everything. 
You know, actually, why I become a programmer? That's very interesting. Because of my influence by a movie, actually, the Die Hard 4. Is it Die Hard 4? I can't remember which one. Basically, a hacker which hacked the whole United States system and basically hacked the traffic. It's not really positive, inspiring, but just really cool when I watch it. I remember that's my third year of my university before I get out from university. Because when I study, actually, I study mechatronics. Because I'm inspired by Gundam or Gunpla. I want to build a robot, actually. But after my third year, because I saw this movie, I said, oh, hey, programmer, even cooler. <laughs> That's why at the fourth year, I take a lot of uh, elective subject on programming. That's how I end up become a programmer, you can say. So I can, you can see that it's like, the, sorry to say, my whole life is influenced by movie a lot. Even my meditation influenced by movie. <laughs> But if, when you trace back a lot of stuff, you can see that where it came from. So don't need to be perfect. Then that solves a lot of problems. Because once you're not perfect, then you're perfect. A little bit zen, but just that's how it happens in life, actually. Because you try too much, sometimes just mess it up. It's just too much tension there. Just like when you try to unknot a knot, if you try really hard, you can see that that knob just <laughs> strangle up, holding just tighten up. But when you relax it, it just makes things much more easier. Same thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm over three minutes. Keeping you all up yes, away. Sorry. Would you like to leave us with a blessing? Oh yeah, okay. the, the same thing, which means is uh, I'm sharing the merits. So here we go. Itang menyati nang hotu sukita hontunya tayo Itang menyati nang hotu sukita hontunya tayo Itang menyati nang hotu Sukita Hontunya Tayo Sadu 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 Have a great week, everyone. See you all next time.